Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we were offering three conversations from episode 54, Go Inside a Pivotal Event, the Patient-Focused Drug Development Meeting. In this conversation, we meet patient and patient advocate Terry Milton and learn about her 20-year history with NAFL, Nash, cirrhosis, and an array of related healthcare challenges. We also learn from Stephen Harrison about when surgeons peak and shriek, as he puts it, and from Louise Campbell about the British pro football player, that's soccer for Americans, who, by going public with his need for a liver transplant has created a significant opportunity to educate British patients and providers about the need to seek out and treat liver disease in its earlier stages. The PFDD meeting was a groundbreaking event. Its emotional impact and lessons about the patient perspective were indescribable and powerful. So sit back, listen, learn, and when you're done, join the conversation on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. So last week's patient-focused drug development event was sponsored by Global Liver Institute in collaboration with FDA, and it was really something unique. Donna Cryer is with us today. The band is back together. Donna's here, and she'll be able to talk about it. And we're also fortunate to have with us Terry Milton, who was one of the people who testified at the event. Let me start by introducing Terry and inviting Terry, as people normally do on the first time, tell us a little bit about how you got here. Take a little more time than the two minutes we usually give folks, because I'd like you to talk some about the history of the disease, share some of the facts that you shared at last Thursday's meeting. So folks have an understanding of how painfully you've earned your right to be part of this conversation. Terry Milton. Thank you so much, Roger. I can tell you that there is no way that I thought I would ever be here today. And I mean that literally and and figuratively in all the other ways. In 1998, when I was first diagnosed with fatty liver, after doing something as simple as giving blood to the American Red Cross and getting a little postcard that says, by the way, your liver enzymes are high. And so when you start there and your doctor says, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Everybody has fatty liver at some point in time. And 19 years later, almost 20, uh, finding out that not only has it advanced to cirrhosis, but the cause was something called NASH, which at the time I had never, ever heard of. There was a lot of different things in between, a lot of misdiagnosis that had happened. I was diagnosed with lupus. I was diagnosed with pancreatitis. I was diagnosed with a lot of different other itises through the years. Cirrhosis was not on the horizon of what I thought would happen. And and the main reason being is that I was under the perception that cirrhosis was something that only someone with alcohol drinking would have. And I didn't drink. Occasional every once in a while. The every once in a while was maybe once every three years or so. It was not something that I did on a regular basis. So I went immediately from what's considered compensated cirrhosis, which is no symptoms whatsoever, to within days having full decompensation of my liver. And that meant that within eight days after my surgery, as I had gallbladder surgery, that's what found the original cirrhosis and NASH, I had gained 40 pounds in weight. And it was all due to this fluid called ascites. I didn't know what that was. And within another month, as, as I had my first hepatic encephalopathy episode. Now, I'm a communicator. I create and design classes to teach adults. I enjoy doing that. As Donna has gotten to meet me through the years, as she knows I'm a story 
storyteller, and I, I know how to pull a story to illustrate something that people are going to understand. But when you have hepatic encephalopathy, those things go out. And I guess the reality of that came to point when I was a block from home and got lost. And then you try to figure out how to use your cell phone and don't know where the emojis are or even how to push buttons or even if you can hold your phone because your hands are shaking so bad. And all those things were going on and then find out that I have varices and it goes on and on as far as the number of things. And then in 2018, being diagnosed with HCC, hepatocellular carcinoma. And all I know is that every time that I went to go find out a little bit more about what was going on with me, there was no information available. Not anything that didn't say I was going to die within weeks or months. But it was daunting because all of a sudden, Dr. Google was lying to me. He didn't know what to do or she didn't, depending on how you want to call Dr. Google. But I have since found out that they failed medical school and they're not a reliable source of information. So, Terry, I think I mentioned this to you when we talked before, but the way this turned in from a three to four week podcast on clinical trials to what it wound up becoming had a lot to do with two patients who consulted with Dr. Google and wanted to know from Dr. Harrison over uh, the internet uh, where they were going to die quickly. So that's not an uncommon experience. Stephen Harrison. Terry, I, I wish I would have seen you in 2016 when I retired from the Army and had my own practice here in town because, oh boy, this liver disease has been my passion for the better part of two decades. The managing the HCC part, it sounds like when listening to the earlier testimony, it sounds like you got you got that treated pretty quickly and aggressively. So that was the good news and the fact that you're still on the transplant list obviously means that it was treated effectively as well. That's good news for you. But your your story is one that is important because too often surgeons do what we call a peek and shriek. That means they they open you up and take a look and see a shrunken nodular liver, let out a shout, usually throw something across the OR and then sew you back up without doing anything. And the reason for that is very simply, cirrhotic patients are at increased risk of decompensation when abdominal surgeries are performed. And that's exactly what happened to you. You had surgery and then your liver was left trying to carry an extra load, not only in metabolizing your medications you took for sedation, but also just the extra hit of recovering from a surgery like that. And very classically, you presented with what usually is the first presenting symptom, which is ascites, followed by hepatic encephalopathy and, and then varices. So you've kind of got the whole story. I mean, from, from stem to stern, yin to yang, beginning to end, alpha and omega, I just hope and pray that it ends successfully for you with a transplant. And I realize even with a transplant that there's a responsibility that I have to make sure that this doesn't carry on. I am a Hispanic female, so I'm, I'm half Hispanic. My father is Hispanic. My brother grew up in Indiana. And I know that the incidence is, is higher. I have an aunt who died of, of cirrhosis that it was considered cryptogenic. That was 10 years ago. So I have a feeling that if we looked at her today, is, is she would have NASH. So there are some things that I know going into transplant that I have the responsibility. And it's going to be up to me with a team that takes care of me and that I take care of me as well. Absolutely. I don't know if Donna knows anything about transplant. Plan, you know, just, just, just 
saying. She probably can share with you some pearls. Uh, but I, I have to tell you a funny story when you mentioned Google. Uh, a dear friend of mine and many on, on this podcast is Scott Friedman, and he has a coffee mug that I don't remember the exact words, but it's something like, don't confuse uh, your Google degree with my medical degree. <laughs> yeah. So with that as an introduction, I want to go back to a little more what we normally do, and then we'll have more time to talk about Terry's story as we go through the conference and some of the moments of the day. Just spoiler alert, Donna did get to deliver a different version of her thing to Vlad brought to you from a year and a half ago about when you're dead, you're dead. In this case, I think it was about medications. But every time this subject comes up, Louise raises that comment. So I just wanted to beat her to it for once. So Terry, I'd ask you to bring with you one fact that we wouldn't know about you if you didn't tell us and help us out. What you got? I am an adventure junkie. I used to rappel and rock climb. And by rappelling, I'm not talking, I'm talking free rappel is face down going down the cliff. It was, I had fun. There's still some things that I want to do. In fact, as as second liver anniversary is I plan to jump out of a plane. I love that. My husband doesn't know how in the world he found me because he's not an adventure junkie. So that's what I enjoy doing. So have you prodded him or do you solo on this stuff? I'm going to have to solo. Mm -hmm. Well, being being from the Army, I never wanted to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. That's exactly the line I was thinking of. Kudos to you for that. Maybe we could link you with some Halo guys from the Army, and and you could jump with uh, some Halo experts from 20,000 feet. Free fall for the first 15,000. Yeah. Do your arms out, you know, like this. High altitude, low open. There you go. Yeah, totally. Right. I, I think on that invitation, we're all She's ready. ready. She's ready. <laughs> Some of us might not. Part be. of my tips for keeping your transplant for 27 years is not jumping out of your plane <laughs> or anything like that. Louise Campbell. Fiber scanned lists five days out of seven last week. So we did really well. Some interesting sessions from semi pro footballers. We've had a high profile football or soccer for you, Stephen, person diagnosed with a liver condition that's two years ago that's now requiring liver transplant. So it's raising the profile of liver disease amongst sporting elite, which isn't a bad thing. Yes, so we had a lot of interest and I will break down those figures. They're not all as healthy as you think they might be. It was an interesting week for us last week. He's come out of the press. It was Ipswich football time. Kieran Dyer, who played for England, who's got primary sclerosing cholangitis and he's black. So we have a real awareness that liver disease can affect people of different ethnicity that is not alcohol related. From what Terry was saying early on, it really is important that we look for cases like this, that he'll have had multiple liver function tests during his career as a football player to monitor his health. Yet by moving from diagnosis to transplant listing within two years, and I don't know the case personally, I'm just reading what's been released. That means there was quite a lot of severe disease, as we all know, before he was diagnosed. So looking for liver health in different ways is really, really important. Just on the back of what Terry was saying, her story is why we want people to listen to this podcast. It is why why we want everybody who's a physician or a nurse or an advocate to listen to why you do what you do is for cases like Terry and the others that we don't miss those opportunities, but that we develop drugs that are targeted in the way they need to be. So stay listening, listen to these episodes and really get personally involved with the story because actually it could be any one of us. We have to own it and we have to share it. But we've had that raising of profile 
well in the last seven to ten days, really, in the UK. Incidentally, that soccer player probably has IBD as well. Yeah. That sounds right. Absolutely. So that story is so important because a lot of physicians don't even think that people of color can get rare liver diseases like PBC and PSC. The picture that they have in their head is this middle-aged Caucasian, often woman in the case of PBC or man in the case of PSC. Just the fact that he has it and so grateful that he's being open with his story so that others can learn from it and hopefully both patients and physicians will will both take another look, be more careful, screen earlier, allow for the possibility that the person in front of them, whatever color they are, could have one of the many forms of liver disease. So it's a, it's a really grateful to be able to have that example. And I'm grateful that we got to him in time. And now, back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back Monday morning and Tuesday morning with reviews of days three and four of this week's ASLD liver meeting. And then again next Thursday with a wrap-up episode. I hope you'll join us for all that and check the possibility of attending one of the daily review sessions live. Until then, stay safe. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.